Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. The draft is done, the results are in, and I don't know what the hell they mean. But luckily for you guys, we got a special guest coming up today that I didn't know was going to happen until uh, just a few moments ago, thanks to the power of a company Slack channel. Ah, the beauty of the company Slack channel. Welcome to your Friday weekend edition of Fantasy NBA Today. It's off-season episode number 55. Another week complete, and by the end of next week, by episode 60, we'll be into July, which means free agency is the next thing on the docket. But we're not there yet because uh, on yesterday's show, we talked a little bit about the expectations going into draft night and various trades that took place leading up to it. We had other stuff on along that line, in that vein, uh, that happened yesterday. And, you know, we can talk about DeAnthony Melton going to the Sixers, or we can talk about Kemba Walker getting bought out and things of that nature. And we'll get to all of that probably on Monday's show. We'll kind of let the dust settle over the weekend, see if anything else shakes out over the next couple of days. But thanks to this on-a-whim uh, run-in in in the company Slack chat— I've, I bring to you a guest that is really perfect for today. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I'm not even going to tell you who it is because I want that segment to introduce the guest. What I will say is that uh, I am Dan Vespers. I am your very slowly softening his stance towards rookies host of Fantasy NBA Today. This is a sports ethos presentation one thing I've noticed is that I don't know how many of you guys are actually going to sportsethos.com. It feels like everything happens on social media these days. But please do, at some point, head over to the actual website because then you can see what articles have come out recently, what pods have come out recently. There's a scrolling media wall up top that has you know the four latest things to pop up on the site. Uh, and Steve Vitovich, our director of content, had an article go out with the 11 names who have a chance at fantasy value for next year coming out of that draft. So really cool stuff over there. Shout out, as always, even the day after the draft to my football and my baseball guys who continue to grow their audience. Football leading up to baseball right in the middle of the season. But you guys don't need to wait anymore. Let's get into the actual stuff that's happening today. Okay, okay, I actually didn't, I didn't tell anybody this was coming, and it kind of uh, popped up spur of the moment, but it does feel like, I believe the term my people use is kismet, uh, perfect timing. Rhett Bauer, the host of Punt Intended, Sports Ethos's Fantasy Dynasty show, and also just, you know, general dynasty expert, on the podcast, on a whim What's up, dude? How are you? You must feel, I don't know, what does it feel like the day after the draft? Is this like extreme fatigue or are you super excited right now or some combination thereof? Uh, definitely a combination. Uh, and you couldn't have told anybody about this because you told me about it like a couple hours ago. Yeah. So like, there was not a chance to tell anybody about it. But no, extremely excited to be here and talk about all of these draft picks. Um, it, it is extremely exciting like yesterday was basically christmas to see all of the guys that i have been watching and paying attention to for quite some time from the college lens also merge into the nba world and the kind of impact that that has on the entire league it's it's awesome 
So I say this, uh, and I don't want to like make you blush or anything, but you have one of the sharpest eyes for basketball that I've come across in a long time. By the way, you can follow Red on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer, R-H-E-T-T underscore B-A-U-E-R, like Jack Bauer, if you were going to spell it that same way. Uh, by the way, have you ever told anyone that they're, quote, making the wrong call in a Bauer voice? I pray uh-huh. that you do. I no, do. I haven't, but I may have to now. You and my son's to. name is Jackson. Unintended, Ooh, but I like. We figured by the t- yeah, by the time the kids of his age are like be old enough to make fun of him, they won't really know who Jack Bauer <laughs> no. is, probably. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's a worse person to be named after than the guy who constantly saves the country. So. Yeah, it's the best. Like if, as long as you don't name any of your children after uh, Jack Bauer's daughter in that show, then you're right. ready to go because exactly know, she was kidnapped 18 times in four seasons. of <laughs> Michelle, that's a hard number to hit. But anyway, uh, like, okay, so before we even get into the actual players, something that I struggle with, and it's a running bit on this show, but it's also built in in truth, is I generally kind of ignore this stuff for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, if I ignore it, I won't be lured into the shiny thing. And in redraft leagues, that is a, a bigger issue, obviously, than in Dynasty. This is the kind of stuff you simply cannot ignore under any circumstance. But also part two is I spend what I already feel is like every waking moment during the NBA season and like the two months leading up to it and then even some in the offseason studying for redraft league. How do you, Rhett, have the bandwidth to also know players that aren't even in the league yet? So I don't give the NCAA enough time as I should throughout the year because dynasty is an NBA thing. Like I'm paying attention to all of the things that are happening in the NBA for all of the teams and for a bunch of like 10th through 15th men that usually nobody cares about in redraft leagues. So typically it comes from listening to a ton of smart people and there are a ton of them out there. And so kind of paying attention to what they see and then trying to apply that to what we know as fantasy people, both nine cat points, Roto, like all of that stuff. And then just kind of piecing the information together in that way. So it gets it gets kind of tough once the NCAA tournament comes around because it's like, hey, I'm just going to watch all of the basketball all of the time. <laughs> but I also love it. So, like, I can't I can't really complain that that's what I get to do. Yeah, by family, I think is what the month of March is, right? Yeah, basically. Bye. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll see you from 11 p.m. to 11.15 p.m. It's <laughs> a, a good window, though. Someone might, be, <laughs> someone might still be awake for you at that point. Um, all right, so let's transition into what happened yesterday. There was a old flipperoo at the top of the draft in the morning, Thursday morning. Uh, Woj tweeted that the top three were basically set in stone, and then later on he said, oh, by the way, they're not set in stone anymore, and, uh, and then it flipped. Um, what I'd like to do with whatever time we have today with you, and I don't know, I, I probably end up getting carried away with things I want to talk about because, you know, it'll be an excuse to have you back if we don't get to everything, but... There were some very buzzy names yesterday, and we probably do need to talk about those. But then there's also going to be names that you, William, David, that we talked to earlier in the week two, are going to see as interesting fits. So let's knock out the buzzy guys early. Uh, top three, Bonchero, Holmgren, Smith. What did you like, dislike about where they ended up, their fit, uh, from a redraft and a dynasty standpoint, if you don't mind, and and feel free to monologue here because I I gave you a whole lot to talk about there. <laughs> Do any of those guys 
end up as really good fantasy options? What do you think about possible ADPs for those types of guys? And that's, you know, educated guessing a little bit on that side. But what did the top of the draft mean to you yesterday? I think this was the best outcome for the draft, in my opinion. Paolo was my number one as far as like real life players. I think Chet is the number one fantasy just because those sweet, sweet blocks, you know, like that's just going to be elite. Um, And we know how much weight that carries in nine cat. And so Paolo was my number one player uh, and I was excited to see him go to the magic. They just have so much versatility. I don't know how much of Paolo's, fantasy game is going to translate immediately just because I can see that being more of a committee situation down there in Orlando. You know, you've got Fultz, you've got Suggs, you've got Wagner, you've got Wendell Carter Jr. You might have Bamba, you might have Cole Anthony, you know, Jonathan Isaac might decide to play basketball or be able to play basketball. So that's not somebody I'm considering in like the top 100 for redraft leagues, but Dynasty Paolo should be very, very high because I think he is somebody who can just do all of the things that you want a superstar player to do. And that's one of the keys that I look for in a dynasty player is not just the situation that they're in currently, but also like what kind of player does do they project to be? And that's why it's hard for me to get on board with a lot of the guys on tanking teams like uh, Kevin Porter Jr., for instance. Now, I know that that's a bad example because he's not a great fantasy player, but <laughs> it's fine on how. You're, listen, uh, you're 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 just buttering me up at this point because you know how many times I told people not to draft yes, last year. <laughs> but still all of the times, yeah. all of the times. Yeah. So like he's a player where how many teams is he getting that sort of opportunity? OK, Not very many, probably five. There are five teams and all of them are very, very bad and they don't have another primary ball handler who just wants to soak up a bunch of usage. So Paolo is a guy who I think is going to demand that kind of usage, but I think it could take him a little while to get his feet under him. Chet, I think, is going to come in and do what he does. Like, I don't think there's going to be much of a transition for him just because he's more of a... I don't want to say role player. That sounds bad. Like he's a role player the same way Draymond Green is a role player in my eyes. So like the stuff that Chet is going to do doesn't necessarily require high usage. And I think that's somebody who like we saw two years ago, Nerlens Noel was top 100 on 2.2 blocks and like 1.1 steals. And that's it. Yeah. Like, like four points and three and a half rebounds. It was <laughs> yes, exactly like that's all it takes. And, you know, Chet's going to be good from the field, decent from the free throw line, probably going to hit a, a three or something. And that's a that's a recipe for a pretty darn good fantasy player right off the bat. So Chet is somebody I would definitely be looking to take. I have to go through the projections on what I think he's going to do in the league. And when I say projection, it's going to be like the minimum of what I think, because I think with rookies, with the growing pains that come from that. I don't think it's a great idea to draft them at their ceiling because I know plenty of people last year were like, oh, Jalen Green, let's take him in the sixth round. Well, that was only a good idea for the last three weeks of the season when you shouldn't be playing <laughs> fantasy. So so there's that. And then Jabari Smith, I think this is beautiful, a beautiful fit. It ties into fitting so well with Alfred and Shingun. It ties in very well with him being an outlet for Jalen Green, who I just mentioned. 
and he's not going to be asked to bend the defense like he would in a situation where he was the primary. So Jabari and Chet, I can see being decent fantasy options this year. Chet will probably be a good fantasy option just because of the blocks. Jabari, I can see the speed of the game, maybe the shot not quite being there, but I would not be surprised at all if both Chet and Jabari were standard league players for for sure the entire season, but almost certainly top 100 towards the tail end of silly season. You know, I feel uh, almost, I feel a tiny bit vindicated because as it was happening, I even thought to myself, I was like, you know what? I feel like two and three have the better situation going on. But again, this is not my world. So then now you get into the hard stuff. Again, talking to Rhett Bauer, host of Punt Intended and uh, a writer for us here at Sports Ethos on the Dynasty side in particular, although you you know what you're talking about on all that stuff. Um, the the ADP side of things. That's where stuff, I think, gets really tough, whether it's redraft or dynasty. But on the redraft side, where where do we think these guys end up going? Th- this is the thing that I personally, I think, have the hardest time projecting because I thought Cade Cunningham would go earlier than he ended up going last year. I know he had like a little nagging injury that kept him out for what, like the first week, week and a half of the season or something like that, but it wasn't a big deal. Uh, we've seen... Some rookies go as early as top 40, which is wild. Uh, Again, Cade last year falling down to like the 90 range. Do we have any idea where we think these buzzy names end up getting drafted next year? Probably too high. Like that's that's just (laughs) always my answer when it comes to rookies is probably too high. And that's only because there's going to be people who see the upside of a player like that and like oh my gosh if Chet comes in and does exactly what he did in college he's going to be a top 30 fantasy player and that could happen but he could also not do that right away and then you spend a fourth round pick on a guy that you're hoping is able to do something towards the tail end of the fantasy playoffs if you do head to head so I mean I, I think Chet would definitely be my first rookie off the board and I can see him depending on your team build, like I can see him going in like the seventh round ish just because of the blocks. Like, I think that's the biggest deal is it, that's just going to float his value so much that it, even if the offense doesn't come along, even if he's inefficient, he's going to be getting blocked shots and that's enough to have him drafted Jabari and Paolo that's going to be really, really tough because we saw Cade take some growing pains. We saw Jalen Green get some growing pains. Like, it's just not a guarantee that they're going to come in and be efficient, and they may not even be good on defense. So, like, Paolo and Jabari may not get steals and blocks, and that you know how hard that is to have mm-hmm. elite fantasy value if you're not getting steals and blocks. Like, Julius Randle, 36 minutes, 20 points, 10 boards, 5 assists, half a steal, half a block. He was 127 being relatively inefficient as well. So like that's just kind of the the framework that we're looking at is like you can draft them in the top 100 if you want and they might get there towards the tail end of the year for some stretches, but over the course of the season I would probably stay away from both of those rookies inside the top 100. I always wonder, I never have the bandwidth or the patience to do it. Have you ever gone into a into a season employing the strategy of letting someone else draft rookies and then trying to acquire them in December because it does seem like they generally start to figure things out by late January or the all-star break. 
Yes, absolutely. Especially being the dynasty guy. Yeah. But it gets hard because people <laughs> know that and they're like, ah, if you want him, I'm definitely holding on to him. It's like, shoot. <laughs> it's worth a shot. Sometimes people get pretty frustrated. I feel like Jalen Green ended up on a ton of wires last year. Yes, not absolutely. Kate. Which not a not a wrong decision, honestly. He no. was not good. He really wasn't. Wasn't he outside the top 200 the first two, two and a half months? Something like yep. that. Which which is, again, that's what I'm saying. Is like A guy like Jaden Ivey. I love Jaden Ivey. Second player on my board if I was running things. But I just don't know how much of a fantasy player he's going to be this year because it's likely that he's inefficient figuring out the game. And I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just going to take him a second to, to be legit, I think. All right, let's bump over. And thank you for hitting on Ivy because he would have been the other one to throw kind of into that buzzy list. Let's jump over to the guys that you uh, really like what we might be able to get out of them. And it sounds like Chet sort of falls into that category. And that's kind of been my take on it. And I don't know if I'll let you in on a little secret here. About five days after the season ended, I did a show where one of my lessons learned was, Dan, you need to soften your stance a little bit on rookie big men. Because if they can hit free throws, they have a damn solid floor. There was a stretch yesterday. I was trying my best to pay attention. I had our live coverage guys on throughout the night where it seemed like everybody drafted was a rookie big man. And I thought, oh, well, this is fitting. Like the year I'm going to finally start to soften my stance, they're going to throw 15 of them at me, and I got to try to figure this out. Uh, What did you like from the rest of the draft? And (laughs) did it generally lean towards big men? Yeah, pretty much. And that's what I was going to say. My two, and I I believe you guys already hit on it, is Jalen Duran and Mark Williams. Just... The ability for them to be around the rim and finish everything from a Cade Cunningham and a LaMelo ball. And then, all I mean, obviously, uh, Jaden Ivey, too, with with uh, Durin. Like, that is just going to be so easy for them to start off their careers. And that that's going to be – they would be a must draft for me if I'm a punt threes and free throws just because you can't count on that shot, especially from – Durin, like you, you, there was nothing in college to really say that he's going to be a good free throw shooter. But Mark Williams had that seventy three percent last year, but fifty four percent the year before that. Right. So you probably don't want to count on either guy shooting well from the free throw line. But both of those two, I I really really like. Um, I would also Jake Laravia is the other one who is not a big man, but I think you know. Memphis's Achilles heel has been the wing, right? And Jake Laravia comes in as a guy who's like 15.7 boards, four assists, great steal rates, great block rates, and he's playing for Memphis. Like, that is a team that needs a wing. They just got one. He's a great connecting piece, and I think he could end up having standard league value this year. And you probably don't need to take an early pick because he got drafted 19th. Like, nobody... Nobody is out there looking at Jake Laravia like, yes, that's a standard league player. So you can probably take him later in the rounds, and that's a guy that I would definitely want. If you had to guess on where uh, Duran and Williams go in drafts, do you think they get drafted inside the top 100? I was thinking that might be just outside of it, like maybe yeah. early early ninth, mid ninth, something like that. Yeah, I don't think they would go inside the top 100 unless you get a guy who takes Giannis one and, you know, just like really leans hard into the threes and free throw punt. Then I can see them getting getting a little bit ambitious and taking them inside 100. But yeah, the the 110 to 130 range is definitely where I would be with those big men. Just because, like I said, 
they're not going to, you can't count on them to hit free throws and you know that they're likely not going to hit threes. And so you're already down some categories there. Pivoting away from fantasy for just a second. Um, who, what teams did you like coming out of yesterday? Just for my own knowledge, like who did a good job? Cause I don't know these players. Detroit had the best draft by far trading, getting Ivy at five, who, like I said, was the second player that I would have taken then getting Durin at 13 for a future first. Like that's it. They, they traded into the lottery to get a future first. Like that's, that's insane to get a guy in Durin who is exactly what the, the Pistons need. So that's awesome. I'm very excited about, uh, the Spurs. <laughs> wait, getting so wait, 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 so wait, 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 wait. So you're saying poor Kelly Olenek still isn't going to get to play. <laughs> I, the Kelly Olenek, if I had to guess, will not be a Detroit Piston when the season starts. So yeah, please, uh, please Detroit. Freak, free, free Kelly. Kelly. Olenek, right? Sorry. Continue yeah. the Spurs. You said, <laughs> yeah, Spurs taking Jeremy Sohan, uh, you know, everybody knows shooting coach Chip over there down in San Antonio. And that's a guy who needs some shooting help. But man, he's going to be he's going to be a very, very impactful player and a great fantasy player. If he can get his shot uh, just just fixed a little bit, like even just being average from the free throw line. He's a guy I can see rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, field goal percentage. Like I can see him being a very, very good player. And and then they took Malachi Branham at 20. Really excited about that. He's a great shooter. that will help them there. And then Blake Wesley at 25, who is a great, great just gamble, basically, from Notre Dame, from my home state of Indiana. And he's a guy that I'm, I'm very excited to see what the Spurs do with. Last question before I free you from this spur of the moment podcast uh, hit, which, by the way, thank you again for um, being like, oh, yeah, you know, okay, let's do this, uh, (laughs) is the Dynasty side. And I know I don't cover it much on this show, um, and I'm obviously going to remind everybody again and again to check out Punt Intended if you want the deep dive on the Dynasty element. But how do you approach the dynasty side after draft day because i'm i'm guessing and i think you've you've said it before actually even in this show it's it's a different beast than redraft because the slow start for guys the fit for guys who's on teams with them a year two years down the line stuff like that you have to factor all of that into how you assess it you said ivy was your two uh, Paolo was your number one. Does that translate over to how you look at them in a dynasty draft? Uh, as general players, that's where I had them ranked. But for like fantasy contributions, it's going to be slightly different just because, you know, the, the high volume scorers don't always translate into an elite fantasy game when there's so much value placed in steals and blocks, which is two areas that I'm not sure Ivy and Paolo are going to be great at, at least immediately. So my philosophy i just kind of look at what the team what what the team already has and what that drafted player can provide like if they fit a need on that team like for instance last year when trey murphy got drafted to the pelicans i was like sweet that's defense that's shooting and my bold prediction was that he was going to start by the end of the year obviously herb jones came in and blew that completely out of the water but that that's just kind (laughs) of the way that i look at it is like you know a guy like Benedict Matherin, he's not going to have a super fantasy friendly game immediately, but the Pacers didn't take him at six to not play him with Tyrese Halliburton. Like, and the same thing goes with like a guy like Dyson Daniels with the Pelicans. He's a good perimeter defender. They kind of need that. Ochai Akbaji with the Cavaliers. He's 
I know people are probably scared of Isaac Okoro and him being 31 minutes a game, but like outside the top 250 because he's just not a good fantasy player. Mm-hmm. Ochak Baji might fit in the same mold, but he, in deeper leagues, he, which most dynasties are, he's going to get a lot of playing time, which is extremely valuable when you're looking at the waiver wire and you're like, oh man, he gets 12 minutes a game? Sweet. Like <laughs> the bar is very, very low for rosterable players. And so guys like that who who have skills that a team needs, Dale and Terry with the Bulls, another good example. Perimeter defense, like that, and and Lonzo ball insurance, which we saw how much Ayo Desumnu had last year, like how much value mm-hmm. he could carry. So just situations like that with either unique skills for the roster or behind injury-prone players are two very, very sweet spots that you can kind of look at and are pretty easy to 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 tell once you start paying attention to it. Let me also give you one more compliment before I send you off. Knowing the pronunciation of everybody's name in and out of the league might be the hardest part of (laughs) doing a dynasty podcast. So uh, first of all, amazing work. Congratulations on the dynasty show's success. Congrats on getting through another draft. And thank you for popping on here and making this show uh, relevant to draft people for one shining moment uh the great red bauer red underscore bauer on twitter thank you again my man i'll talk to you soon yep thank you dan you guys really do need to check out punt intended our dynasty show here at sports ESO. it's it's not it's not five days a week because there simply isn't that much to like everything in dynasty takes time it's it's a big freighter that you kind of just have to keep steering in the right direction especially now in the offseason there's like big chunks of data that go into it in a way that in redraft like we need to be on every little thing every little day and so you know podcast that breaks down a box score which we do on this show during this season that stuff is all it's kind of a different monster but uh Rhett and he'll have all sorts of really really sharp guests on that show it is excellent and it won't chew up your it won't chew up like your whole week, you know? There'll be an episode uh, once a week, once every two weeks, things like that. That are these big picture shifts in how all the, how values move, rookies, all, you know, trades, things of that nature, things that are uh, not so much this like immediate gut reaction type thing that you need to be working on over on the uh, on the redraft side. So um, yeah, I'm just glad you guys got a chance to hear from Red. I, I, I He's been on this podcast maybe once before or maybe not at all. We talk often enough on our company Slack or on Twitter that I feel like we've had him on the show, but maybe we didn't. I don't know. He's also a Pacers expert. I have questions on the Pacers coming up as well. Uh, As far as next week goes, should be relatively straightforward. On Monday, we'll recap some of the trades that went down last night on Thursday on draft night. Anything else that kind of shakes out, I'm sure some pieces are going to jiggle loose over the weekend, which is... I guess kind of a gross way to describe uh, trades growing, going down in the NBA, but something might jiggle loose, I guess. I don't know. Uh, again, yeah, a odd choice of words, but whatever, you're stuck with them now. Um, then we'll pivot back into team reviews. I think we have five or six of those left, and after that, guess what? It's free agency, because by the end of next week, we're in July 60th off-season episode it'll be July the next week you get right into this stuff and what I like to say is if yesterday if the draft is the dynasty 
Christmas, as uh, Rhett called it. Free agency is our redraft Christmas, depending on how many players actually change hands. But there's going to be some more trades going on in the next couple weeks here because we've got all the Kyrie stuff going on. We know the Hornets want to try to shed contracts. We know the Pacers want to shed contracts. It's all coming down the pike. Ready for it. Uh, Shout out, by the way, to the amazing live show uh, that David Williams and crew put on yesterday over at YouTube. They went over four hours. It was only supposed to be three and a half, but they went long just to get you even more information. We'll likely have a live show of some kind for free agency coming up in uh, whatever that is, about a week and a half. More info on that as it becomes available. And again, please do check out sportsethos.com to see what the guys have been putting out. Really, really good stuff all off-season long as well. Get yourself a fantasy pass if you want to get some of the cool behind-the-scenes, behind-the-paywall goodies also. I am Dan Vespers, at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Thanks for listening once again, everybody. We are already, already having our biggest June of all time here on Fantasy NBA Today. I love you guys for it. Let's keep growing, even in the offseason. How? I don't know. But that's where we're at. I do appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend. Back at you first thing Monday. So long.